0: Good evening, today is Monday, July 3rd, and we are studying the big book, excuse me, Bill's story tonight, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Scratch that. This week's chapter is Bill's story, and our speaker tonight is Betty Jean.
1: Take it away, Betty Jean. Hi, I'm Betty Jean, compulsive overeater in recovery here in Connecticut. So good to be here with you all tonight. I love the big book. I love Bill's story. And I love step one. Um, I like Bill was fortunate in the circumstances that I was born into. My parents were sober and loved each other and loved us. However, my both my parents were both children of the Great Depression, and they experienced lack and the anxiety that comes with it. If there was a sin in our house, it was wasting food. Um, It was okay to eat off my siblings plates, because you couldn't waste the food, you couldn't throw it away. Every holiday, every event in my large extended family was about food. Whether it was Christmas or Easter or a wedding or a funeral, it became all about the food. My parents both experienced World War II. My dad had a sister with polio. My mother had a brother who was blind. Their attitude was, get over it, move on. You want something to cry about? I'll give you something to cry about. Um, My parents um, gave me a very good a religious foundation from which I've been able to build on. They really um, saw God as a very loving, nurturing um, presence in our lives. And I'm very fortunate for that. Bill said that he ignored the warnings from his family about drinking. I, too, think that food addiction was in my DNA. I experienced trauma when I was 11, and that further cemented my need for food. It soothed and comforted me and it pushed my addiction into overdrive. I was a normal weight until I was 28. I was very average. However, my behavior was not average. I was completely obsessed with food from a very young age. I was controlling, restricting, hiding, um, sneaking food all the time. I knew how to open (laughs) The oven at my parents' house and lift the tinfoil off a casserole and take a spoon and take some food from it and then smooth it out so it didn't look like there was any missing and put the tinfoil back down and put everything back in the oven. We had a really small house. It was amazing the stuff that I was able to get away with. Um, I stayed average size until I was 28 and I could no longer, my metabolism changed. I no longer was able to keep up with the amount of eating I was doing and the type of food I was eating. So I started to pack on the weight. I just came flying out of that food closet. And everyone knew that I had a problem with food. I thought that the more I ate, the more invisible I became. The opposite was true. The more I ate, the bigger target I became. And the more obvious my problem was. Bill describes his drinking as getting worse and worse. He went from bar to bar, and I went from drive-through to drive-through, and it got worse. Food gradually took over and blocked out every single thing in my life. It called to me and said, you don't need anyone else, you have me. Let's stay together and let's stay alone. My life was the very definition of unmanageable. It was total chaos. If you called me and said, um, let's go out, let's go somewhere, I would make up an excuse and say, oh, I can't. If you said, let's do something this weekend, I would say, you know what, I'm just so busy this weekend, maybe some other time. All of that was a lie. Um, I pushed people away, I pushed people out of my life to make more room for the food, which gradually took over everything. The the spiritual principle in in the first step is honesty. And there was none of that in my life. I lied to everyone about everything. Mostly I lied to myself. In my addiction, I was first and foremost a con artist. And I could con you out of anything. Um, I could tell a lie more convincingly than other people could tell the truth. I had no friends or relationships because I was not honest with every with anyone. I was constantly keeping the secret from them. I was constantly hiding. I would sneak off and go to the drive-thru near my work. I would eat food in the car. I would go park somewhere and, and eat. It was really like I was getting high or something. And I was. I was using my addiction, which was food. Um, Bill says on page five, I thought I could control the situation. So did I. I did what probably most of you did. I went on every diet in the world, and they all worked for a little while. All weekend was a binge. Every Monday morning was a new diet. I went to a doctor, a legit doctor, and I got diet pills. I lost a lot of weight and also got a lot of housework done. Bill writes about... The remorse, the horror, and the hopelessness. That's exactly what my life was every single day. The food kept me happy for a matter of minutes, maybe 30 minutes at the most. Then I went into a food coma. When I came out of that, I was full of remorse and self-loathing. The drinking, um, I started to enter um, baking contests and and win them a lot. I've got, I brought these, these are ribbons. And um, this is what I did. I took an addiction and said, it's really a hobby that I'm very good at. And um, as Bill was, people in his life were um, warning him. They were trying to stop him. He was going to hospitals. He was getting in more and more trouble. And there were more and more warnings. That too was happening to me. The disease was making me heavier and more sick. I could pretend that I didn't have this disease, but my blood test did not lie. All of my doctors, and there were more and more of them, I was referred to more doctors, I was referred to dieticians and nutritionists, I was referred to specialists and endocrinologists, to a cardiologist, and I just, I think one of the things is that my primary doctors were getting really sick of me, and they were really frustrated. Um, One time I was sent to, I lied to all of them, because I was still in the disease, and I just said, yeah, I follow the diet, I don't know why I'm losing any weight, there must be something wrong with me. Um, I was sent to a dietician who was a nice person and tried to help me. And she told me that it was okay if I had some chocolate every day. Dark chocolate was an antioxidant. So she said that there were these small chocolate bars and they came in a big bag and I could have one a day. I got the bag. They were called fun size and man, were they fun. I went through the whole bag in about two days. So this woman was... Very well-educated, she was trying to help me, and I just screwed it all up. I just took the opportunity she gave me and ran with it, because she didn't know who she was dealing with. Um, I ended up in um, an emergency room having chest pain, and the doctor there said to me, he was a cardiologist, and he said, if you don't lose 50 pounds right now, you're going to be back here with a full-blown heart attack. And yes, he said 50 pounds right now. Um... I said, okay, I'll, I'll do that, doctor. Mm-hmm, I will. And I left and I didn't do that. And I went back to the hospital and um, I had a stint put in my heart at three in the morning. And that was the first stint. There were two more after that. Um, I had inherited a heart disease from my mother and my grandmother had the same heart disease. Um, but my eating propelled this disease forward. The disease took hold faster and was worse and was just running rampant. I was also diagnosed with type two diabetes. So two really serious medical conditions. And I had a lot of serious medical doctors in my life. And I was angry at them all. And I said, if I could just find a fat doctor, they keep giving me these doctors and they're runners and they just don't understand me. I need to find a fat doctor who smokes. And then I'll be off the hook. One of the doctors I was working with was a physician's assistant who was very compassionate towards me. And I never minded going to appointments with him. One day, he said to me, no, all the doctors before this would say to me, go to Weight Watchers. I flunked out of Weight Watchers three times. I didn't want to go back. One cardiologist said, go to Weight Watchers. It's a good diet, but don't buy the food because there's too much sodium in it. You can't eat all that sodium. Anyway, this physician's assistant said to me, have you heard of Overeaters Anonymous? And I said, I I think I've heard something about it. He handed me a piece of paper. He said, please call these people. I think this will really help you. And I called and um, I met a really nice woman over the phone. And I went to my first meeting that week. I went to the meeting because I knew I had to tell that physician's assistant that I had tried it at least. And I wasn't committed to it at all. At that meeting, I found acceptance for the first time in my life. I knew that I was home almost instantly. People were so accepting and welcoming. Some called me after that first meeting. I was seen and accepted and valued. That first meeting was a life transforming experience and I knew it while I was there in that room. If you're new to the program, you know that starting was not easy. I did not understand what I called the secret language of OA. Where were all these rooms that people were talking about? I thought the people in program were kind of kooky, and I thought their sayings were very corny. I also thought this might be a religious cult because we met in a church basement. They all talked about God and their feelings, and they wouldn't give me the diet. I kept going up to people and asking for the diet, for the sheet of paper that told me what foods to eat, what to avoid, when to eat, how many points there were. They just kept giving me different pamphlets. And, um, and I cringe when I think about this now. But what I thought was, I thought these people are very strange, but they're thin. So I'm just going to do what they're doing. Um, thinness had a lot of credibility with me. If you were thin, I thought you were a genius because you had figured it out. It didn't matter what you were like as a person. You were thin and you had achieved that, and, and I hadn't. Um, so I really admired you if you were thin. Um, I resisted getting a sponsor for the first 10 months. And I said that I didn't need a sponsor because I had a therapist. And the therapist was had a lot of degrees and um, the therapist trumped the sponsor. Then when I I talked to my therapist, she told me that her sister went to AA and that she really believed in 12-step programs. Um, I was still a perfectionist. I thought I could control and streamline the program, maybe eliminate a few steps. Perfectionism does not lead to results. It leads back to chocolate. Um, I was going to three or four meetings in person a week. Um, A month and a half after I joined program, COVID hit and all the meetings shut down. And I thought, this is the end of my life. What am I going to do? I can't access program. Then the miracle of Zoom came into my life, and I started going to all these Zoom meetings. And I no longer was confined to a small area. it was global. The people who came into the meetings came from all over the world. It gave me a feeling of connectedness on a global level. And Every person who came in brought another piece of the puzzle to me and, and helped me. I love the big book. I love the stories. But those are words on a page. When I hear someone say, I did this and it worked for me, that made it all real. That made it possible for me. I'm not a man. I'm not a stockbroker. I don't even play golf like Bill did. But um I understood this program, and I felt that I could do it. The program worked for me. I can't even describe it. Um, after coming into program, I had a couple major losses in my life that were devastating. And I didn't know when I came to this program that five months down the road, I would be facing you know the worst loss of my life, a loss of a family member, the person I was closest to. Thank God I had program. Thank God I had Zoom. It was still in the thick of COVID. The funeral and everything was very restricted, but I still had people I could connect to. That was the biggest change was not being isolated with the food, but instead having people with me to help me. I always felt like this, my disease was a personal moral failing, something I caused and something I had to fix by myself. I didn't know that I could ask for help. I certainly didn't think anyone understood this. So now every day I work on not being isolated. What's it like now? It's great. It's, you know, like they say, the worst day in the program is better than the best day with the food. That's true because there were no good days with the food. Really, there weren't. Um, I eat three abstinent meals a day. I eat at 8, 12, and 5. I walk for an hour every day. I examine not just the food, but my food behaviors. So for me, there's no eating in the car or standing in the kitchen or eating standing up. I can only eat in my dining room table. I look at the food, but also speed and volume. If I find myself shoveling food into my mouth, I know I'm in trouble. Um, I make three phone calls a day. I go to a minimum of one meeting a day. Usually one of the meetings I go to is a speaker's meeting. In three years, I've missed three meetings. Um, People tell me to keep coming back and that's the best advice I can give anyone. Another advice I give is convenience. Um, The drive-through was so convenient and easy. I've got to make my food plan convenient and easy. All the food that's in my house is food that I can eat. There's nothing in my house that I cannot eat. I go to Costco and I buy large boxes of food that I can have. And then I portion it off, (coughs) excuse me, into Ziploc bags or plastic containers. The food is there. It's easy. It's available. (coughs) Excuse me. Right now I have four hard boiled eggs in my refrigerator. I made a list and and I talked to people that was another thing I said to people what do you eat in a day four I could never talk about food I never ever wanted anyone to say to me what do you eat now I ask people and people in program are willing to tell me I've learned a great deal from that <clears throat> I get up at 5 a.m and that's my time with my higher power I think it's great if you can find a higher power and if you can find a community with which to worship that higher power. Maybe that's the community you have in OA, but it's really great sharing your spirituality and letting that grow with other people. Um, I'm sorry, I'm having some trouble with the smoke and the wildfires and I just have to drink some water. I keep a notebook with me. At every meeting, I write down things that people say. I write down names and numbers, and then I call people. Every day, I have my food plan for the next day worked out. I cannot be standing in my kitchen at 5 o'clock trying to decide what to eat. I have to know before then what I'm going to eat so that there's no last minute, there's no (laughs) decision-making. Excuse me. If the power goes out, I've got food that I can have. Um, I have a notebook. I've got at the dollar store. <clears throat> I write down all that, my food. Because I'm a diabetic, I take meds. Um, the meds change. And when the meds change very often, <clears throat> my food plan has to change. So it does. I don't weigh myself. My doctor does. And she knows what I weigh. <clears throat> I don't. Um, I just want to say one more thing about Bill B. Um, after he found an OA, <clears throat> AA, excuse me, <clears throat> he would go around speaking to all these groups. He'd speak to any group. His wife found him a suit in a place like Salvation Army and she tailored it for him. Okay, it was a, okay, thank you. It was a designer's suit. He wore that suit to every single speaking engagement he went to. That was the only suit he owned. Bill was a man who was a stockbroker. He was a man who enjoyed playing golf and belonging to country clubs. He enjoyed the finer things in life. And he ended up with one suit. I think he was buried in it. So that's the humility that he lived with. And that's something also that I have to practice and remember every day, humility and gratitude. thank you for giving me this opportunity to do service. And with that I'll pass.
0: Thank you so much, Betty Jean. That was wonderful. Okay, Uh, let's see here. Okay, we will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to uh, Bill's story. Um, that was being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. So if you would like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine, if you're on the phone. And our Zoom host, Lisa, will call the raised hand. Actually, I think I'm supposed to call the raised hands um, in order. and she will unmute you. Okay, so Jill, if you will continue to give three minutes for uh, people's share, and then if somebody is, uh, if somebody wants to ask uh, Betty Jean a question, uh, we'll give her three minutes to respond. All right. Okay, Meredith, go
2: for it. Hey, everybody. I'm Meredith, recovered compulsive overeater, Nashville, Tennessee. Um, You might be able to hear my dog snoring here beside me, which is pretty cute. Um, Betty Jean, that was so fantastic. I love how you're just to the point and hilarious. Um, It it was just so clear um, for like, if, if anybody's confused about, I mean, you were clear about what worked for you and that's what we want to hear is stories about um i want to hear all the stories about what worked for you and i'll try them on and see if you know let's see if that works for me um uh, maybe that, not so much that one but um to see the success is is hope and encouragement um i love that you how you talked about that pa who um you know, all the doctors with the frothy emotional appeal, you know, boy, it, it seems so illogical for such a, um, for for smart men and women to not acknowledge that. I don't know. I don't know anybody who, who wants to be in that condition especially if it's threatening their health. Um, But what worked for you is that you got along. He built a rapport with you, obviously, and you felt as though he cared for you. Um, It sounds like he didn't pressure you into doing anything. And then you said, I didn't, you felt like you didn't want to disappoint him or at at least show up and say, "I, I tried this. I think when somebody says lose lose 50 pounds right now, okay, great. I'm on it. Give me a break. So um, isn't that wonderful that it was the person who cared about you that was able to break through? Um, it's so human. That's the, it's yeah, it's just human. We don't respond. I, I mean, I d- certainly don't respond to shame or, um, edicts, um, or, you know, just somebody, somebody telling me how it's gotta be. I think it might also be human to resist stuff like that. I think we want to do it our way, but, um, but if I know somebody cares about me, that makes all the difference in the world. And speaking about people caring about me, yay, look where I get to be on Monday night with all of you. It's so amazing. All right, you too. See you Wednesday. Okay, bye. With that, I'll pass. Thank you all. Thank you, Betty Jean. Awesome.
3: Thank you, Meredith. Okay, Penny, go Mm ahead. Hi, everybody. I'm Penny, close over reader in the Chicago suburbs. Uh, I have to change my screen so I can see see our speaker. Where did you go? There you are, Betty Jean. First of all, I love your name because my dear, dear mother-in-law who passed away many years ago, her name is Betty. And then my dear, dear sister-in-law who also passed away, her name is Jean. So when I saw your name, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna like this woman. I can tell. <laughs> I loved the humor in your story. I just connected with that so much because, you know, if we can't laugh at ourselves, what else, you know, but so much of your story I related to, um, the part about um, weekend was a binge. Ugh. And you know, I learned that from my mom. My mom would uh, binge all weekend long and then she would starve herself during the week. And I just thought that was normal um, and it wasn't. Um, and then excuses for not going out and pushing people away. You know, when I got to college, I uh, I had lost a lot of weight my senior year of high school because my parents put me on a liquid diet. And then when I got to college, you know what happened. And, um, so when I would come home for college for breaks and stuff, I wouldn't want to go see anyone. I would pretend I was sick. And when I came home for my th- first Thanksgiving, cause I gained so much weight, I didn't want my family members to see me. It, it still feels so re- So that was many, many years ago. And it's like, it was yesterday. Um, I just know that this program you know, works when we work it. Um, I too, when I went to my first meeting, it was in a basement of a church and I was like, get me out of here. But I was too shy and embarrassed to, to actually get up and leave in the middle of it. Um, I too thought it was a cult. Um, but you know, like you, you know, I do things today that I have to do every day. And I've been in the room for many, many years, uh, but just recommitted, um, a short time ago. And when my new sponsor said, I want you to send me your food every day. I was like, I don't need to do that. I used to do that. Well, you know what it has been, it has been such freedom. And like you said, I don't have the luxury of at five o'clock thinking, Hmm, what am I going to have for dinner? You know, I have to commit my food and I commit it to my sponsor every single day and it just helps immensely. So I, um, you know, again, one of the things you said was the biggest change is not isolating. What, what a miracle, not isolating during a time when everybody had to be alone, <laughs> you know? So what a miracle that was, right? So I just am really, really enjoying getting to know everybody on this meeting and I'm so glad to be here. Thanks. Thank you, Pandy. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay, Arlene, you're up
4: next. Hi, my name is Arlene. Um, I think I would say I'm obsessed with food. Um, I um, I've been coming to the meeting now for maybe four or five weeks, um, and um, I haven't spoken up. So mostly I'm just speaking up so you can hear my voice. Um, I'm in AA, and I love AA because it, from the very first meeting that I went into five years ago, it was really easy. You just don't drink. But I went to OA many years ago, maybe 10 or so years ago. And I just found it confusing because everybody has different food plans. And like, it seemed like the people that were really doing well were the ones that gave up like all the things that I wasn't prepared to give up. And so I just kind of got discouraged and stayed away. Um, I feel feel like I need to say this out loud partly because of my own shame, but partly because I just feel like guilty So I am, I feel like I owe like theoretically, just everybody on this screen and amends. So I am a dietitian, and I've worked in weight loss most of my career. And when I first went to OA, it was more out of curiosity, but it was also because I became a dietitian because I had issues with food. So um, I know that we, and, and then I'm also confused because it's like, I know better, right? It's just same thing. I guess it's just like the cardiologist that's overweight or the the cardiologist that smokes, they know better, but that doesn't mean that we can do it. So I just need to say that like, that's kind of embarrassing for me um, that like I should, you know, we all know that, you know, shoulds don't really accomplish very much. So um, I'm really just trying to listen and absorb. And I am proud of myself because I took down the WhatsApp chat and actually somebody on Saturday morning, so I'm on the West coast. So it was like seven o'clock. I was going to my AA meeting and Um, somebody said they were available for outreach and I actually called. So um, I know the things that have worked for me in the other program. And that's basically why I spoke tonight. So I really appreciated your story and your honesty, Betty Jean. And for me, like there's so many pieces of what I've been hearing resonate. Like, and I, and I've always like been just embarrassed about them because I can control it within a somewhat of a, a range, my weight, but, the obsession, the lying, the just you name it, I do it. So um, I'm just grateful to be here. And I hope to keep learning from you all.
0: And thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Arlene. So glad you're
5: here. Okay, Jodi. Hello, I'm Jodi Compulsive over under Eater. And um, Betty Jean, oh my goodness, thank you so much for your just beautiful, um, authentic share. Um, you know, as I was listening to you, you know, I was la- I could laugh with you, and then at the same time, I had emotion come up, and so it just shows what the big book talks about—that levity that we have, that we can laugh at ourselves, but we can all relate to the pain and and suffering that um, that comes from this disease. And you know, I really appreciated and and loved how at the end you gave um, practical you know um things that help you with your food plan and to stay on target and just the things you shared about bill's story and you know i too you know just am realizing even at a deeper level that um you know i have to have really um black and white boundaries when it comes to to my eating um or it, that keeps me safe and brings me freedom and so, um, I just appreciate your share so much, and just wanted to to say that. And um, I will pass and let others share. Thank you, Jody. Okay, Liz, go ahead. Hi, everybody.
6: I'm Liz, compulsive overeater. Um, yeah, thanks, Betty Jean. That was great. Uh, I really enjoyed your share, um, and I really related to the the isolation. and I feel like for myself like I can I I feel like I wanted to do what you talked about and kind of like avoid people and sometimes like I still do but there's a part of me that's also like I can't do that like I have to go out and be with people but I'm not but I'll still be like isolating inside and like even even in program I think I yeah I always want to kind of like hide myself um And it's hard for me to trust, but that's part of the reason why I wanted to share, like, you know, like just looking around at everybody's faces on the screen, like, can I just make a small act of trust that like, I am loved and accepted here, like even in my struggles. And I have been struggling for a while now, um, with relapse. And, um, I spoke to my sponsor today and like recommitted and, uh, what we a lot of what we talked about has to do with like reaching out and using the fellowship and not isolating and like taking like doing the stuff that you talked about like calling people going to meetings like like doing doing the work you know like it's not a program for people who want it like it's program for people who do it that's what I've heard anyway um so yeah I just wanted to share that and I'm grateful to be here thanks
0: Thank you so much, Liz. Glad you're here too. Okay, we have another Liz, New York.
7: Go ahead. Hi, everybody. I'm Liz uh, from New York. I, uh, I'm i a I'm a compulsive overeater and a sugar addict and uh, a whole bunch of other things. And um, Betty Jean, that was, uh, I'm on board. That was amazing. And um, your your sense of humor was uh, really great because you <laughs> I was like, wait, she meant to be funny. Right. Cause I got cracking up with some stuff. And I was like, wait, wait, was that inappropriate? Am I being inappropriate? But I really, um, I love how your story was so intertwined with, um, Bill's story. And, um, because for me, I have, thank God uh, for my higher power in this group. I have uh, 86 days abstinent today and, um, flour and sugar are my things that I need to stay away from. Cause I am a junkie and, um, it was really good to hear how you put everything out. And I identify, man, I come from a family where it was all about the food. Like that's, and, and, and the resistance, the resistance in the program. Like when I first started, uh, you know, wanting to be part of this and wanting to change because my life has really been horrific around my weight and uh and all that comes with it and all the shame and and all that and the struggle and uh everything that I've resisted in this program has been magical for me you know the like I'm like three phone calls a day I mean magical you know, the, the healing that I get and the insight that I get from the people in these rooms and writing my food down, absolutely not. And, uh, it works, you know, so I don't have that craziness when I'm hungry. And even today it was like at mealtime, I didn't want to eat what was on my list. Cause I saw something else in the fridge that would be better. And, um, so now it's just committing to myself with food, honesty. I need to be honest around what I wrote and committed. Cause I'm also a master manipulator. I can commit something and then pretend I did it. Um, But this is for me. I, you know, I want to see what my life will be like. I like, I want to see how it's going to be different. I mean, I've spent 50 years, you know, most of it in the food. And, uh, you know, because once I started feeding myself, um, I want to see what it can be like without the food, because it's been a wild ride already. So I just thank you so much. I just wanted to claim my seat and I really appreciate you. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Liz. All right, Francesca.
8: Hi. Sorry, I just have to shut my door really quick. um The AC is not working in my house, and it's like 100 degrees. Anyways, irrelevant. Oh man, and I'm being reported. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Francesca. I'm compulsive, grateful, compulsive overeater and bulimic. Um, Betty, thank you. That was so wonderful. Um, I really grateful. You talked about your parents being in depre- the depression. I come from um, like four grandparents who all like, like Holocaust survivors. My grandma came like from Mexico at 14 on her own from extreme poverty, but like every grandparent has some story of deprivation. And it's just like, I honestly, today is a spiritual act for me to throw away food and even saying that I feel guilty, but like, because the not wasting food thing is just runs so deep. It's like, no, you have to eat that, even though it means stuffing yourself, even though it means, you know, just like eating off of other people's food. And just so like when I weigh out my food and it's like 5.04, you know, I want to take that 0.04 and save it. But so just being like, it's okay, I can just throw it out. I'm not committing, you know, I'm not doing anything wrong. And then also seeing that when I'm in my disease, I can't live by my principles. I buy a bunch of food, binge on half of it, throw it out, put bleach on it, then go get more, you know? So like, yeah. Um, So I was really grateful that you said that. Oh, and it was so funny too. You talked about the baking thing. I um, really relate. And I used to like, and this is something I really had to work on in abstinence as well like not treating people with food. Cause I still, you know, I would still like cook food and like, or buy like sweets for people. And I actually had someone tell me like that they thought it was kind of not cool. They're like, why are you doing this? Like, I'm like, Oh, I just was at Whole Foods and I just got you this little treat, you know? And and so yeah, um that um trying to like get people sort of like love affection or, or yeah, like oh it's my hobby, you know. Um I remember telling a therapist, like maybe I just need like one brownie a day, you know, <laughs> like like that. I just need it, you know. Um, I love um at the end where you were like, I do this, I do that, I do that, I do that. Because the thing is, is like I've heard people say, like in this program, like, choose your hard. Like, are those things hard? Sure, maybe, but is the disease hard? Yes. Like, yeah, the disease is so much harder and doing these things gives me more time somehow. And I love what was just said that like everything I, um, resist in this program is magical. Um, total. Oh. And the thing about like writing stuff down, um, when I'm not writing stuff down, I tend to be like, let me pay my bill. You know, I like, so it also helps me like stay engaged. Um, And you said perfectionism doesn't lead to results. It really leads to um, chocolate. Um, So I I really liked that too. Um, And that you said, I could pretend I didn't have this disease, you know, but the numbers don't lie. Um, So yeah, I'm just really appreciative of just your very strong, concise, clear message um, and and doing it in a way that's like attraction, not promotion, because it's like, you're not saying like, oh, you need to do these things. You're just saying like, these are the things that I do and this is the result I get. And thank you so much, Jill, for um, keeping time. And thank you, everyone. And thank you, Betty.
0: Thank you, Francesca. Uh, We will now stop the recording for unrecorded questions or shares, if you